This is episode 84 of The Ship's Podcast with Jeremy Edge. Welcome to Ships. My name is Pat McCandrew, and I am a professional actor, speaker, and coach. In every episode, we discuss a message related to the most important vessels in our lives. Thanks for being here today. Now let's set sail. Welcome to another episode of Ships, the Vessels for a Meaningful Life. Thank you all for joining us today. We have an incredible guest for this episode. His name is Jeremy Edge. Jeremy is a licensed professional counselor and founder of the counseling practice Escaping the Dot Com. PLLC. He provides individual, family, parenting, and couples counseling services for teenagers, young adults, and adults struggling with problematic internet and screen use. Jeremy is a passionate presenter. He covers major types of problematic and addictive screen use, dissects what they look like, and processes how to treat those affected. His presentations are for healthcare providers and educators, parents, and youth. After personally experiencing the negative effects of gaming addiction, Jeremy devoted his work to helping those recover from problematic and addictive internet use. In addition to problematic screen use, Jeremy works well with men of all ages. So you are in for a great episode of Ships and a very different perspective from what we've had on past episodes of this show. Jeremy talks to us briefly about coming from a personal gaming addiction, how he himself had previously suffered from a gaming addiction. He talks about the importance of breaking free from the confinement and control of our screens and how tech is becoming more and more of an issue in today's day and age. He talks with us about how gaming is a real problem, how we are trying to escape our overwhelming life by numbing ourselves through technology, and also how technology can impact the health of our relationships. He also talks to us about how we've gotten used to being comfortable because of our reliance on technology. So this is an incredible episode. If you are someone who is looking for help, for counseling when it comes to mental health and when it comes to perhaps a reliance on social media, on technology, on smartphone usage. This is the episode for you. Or if you know someone who's struggling, please send this episode to them. So without further ado, let me please introduce Jeremy Edge. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Ships Podcast. Today, our guest is Jeremy Edge. Jeremy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Pat. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because I think that you're approaching digital wellness in a very crucial and in, in a very important manner, coming from a background as a licensed professional counselor. And I think that 
really the counseling field, the profession really pairs nicely into digital wellness and how we can educate people and families and, and parents and, and individuals and couples, all these people that, that you have worked with. I think that really counseling these people on how to better improve their relationship with technology is a, of the utmost importance today where technology is just advancing at accelerating rates. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It, it is a very uh, fast growing world, this, the digital space and how to navigate it in a healthy way. Um, there's a lot of potential for it to be uh, an amazing asset to someone's life, but it's potential for it to be problematic um, as well. Right, right. Absolutely. So with all that said, I'm wondering if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you on the path that you're pursuing today. Sure. So I'm a LPC, just licensed professional counselor, and my practice, I have a counseling practice named EscapingV.com. And I got into the space because it's uh, something that I've kind of, I've grown up, I grew up with internet and I grew up with technology at a pretty young age. Um, but as an adult, I saw that it was having a problem for me. Like, so gaming was something that I had, um, I was like a, um, a problematic gaming for like five years as an adult. Um, in the DSM-5, it's, it's uh, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for you know, basically diagnosing mental health disorders. It's in the back of the DSM, there's a criteria for internet gaming disorder, and there's nine criteria that makes up that disorder. It's not a fully diagnosable um, disorder yet, but it is coming down the pipe, uh, pipeline of it's probably going to be fully diagnosable soon. Anyways, I met eight of the nine criteria. Um, when I was uh, during this time in my life. And so it caused problems for me just in a lot of different areas. And when I finished up my counseling program and when I was seeing a lot of my clients in Dallas, I saw that that was a kind of a common theme. Gaming was a problematic gaming was one area that I saw was, was problematic for some people. I also saw pornography was another issue with some of the men I saw. And so I saw, I thought, you know, there's not really anyone addressing that um, in, a, in the counseling space in Dallas. And so I wanted to kind of branch off and to niche down and to focus on helping people specifically in those areas. I was able to get away from that, um, from that problematic and addictive gaming. And so I'm trying to help those who are in a similar boat. That's amazing. I, I appreciate you sh sharing about that. It's uh, I, I think that having someone who has lived the addiction, you know, you coming from uh, really having this addiction and issue with gaming. And I can only imagine that being able to share your own experience with your clients has really helped tremendously in in that sort of counseling relationship. Yeah, it's um, it's it's kind of like a fine line where I want to be able to build a positive therapeutic relationship with my clients, if they talk, if they ask about my journey, then I'd be happy to talk to them about it. Um, so it's, it's some, some of my clients, they don't know that I, it, that it was a struggle for me personally. Uh, I try to have the sessions be straight, you know, focused on them, but you're right. It is something where I can connect with them because I was a gamer, because I know the lingo, I know kind of what is exciting and, and, and fun about the games. So that in and of itself can really help me connect with the clients I see. And so was, was your gaming experience, was that really the impetus for you to create escaping the di the dot com? Was that what inspired you? Yeah. Yeah. I, so after I stopped gaming completely and, and thought, thought, you know, I need to be able to focus and redirect my attention to something more healthy. 
I tried to, to create something that would be, for one, exciting and fun and creative for me to do. And so that's why I just tried, tried to develop. I uh, went on, on GoDaddy.com and tried to find a website that was not taken already. And so I thought, you know what? Escape means to break free from confinement or control. And so that's where what I what I was doing. I was constantly escaping and, and breaking free from this confinement and control from gaming. Pornography was something that I've been struggling with for a while as a, as a, as a young adult, as a kid. But gaming was specifically the thing that I wanted to go to um, and to that inspired escaping.com. I love that name, by the way. Thanks. I think it works. It works so well with the escaping the dot. You know, the, yeah. the dot com at the end. I love how that is embedded within the name. It, it flows really nicely. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I was able to just to think of that and like, wow, that's hopefully people will, will get it. And it's pretty clever. Um, so I, I like it. it. It was fun to create and to develop. And why do you think, as you are mentioning, gaming and technology, it's been around for a while now. Why do you think now is an important time to be counseling people and helping people with these issues around technology? Um, I think it's becoming more and more of an issue. Um, I mean, gaming has been around for a while. World of Warcraft has been around for, gosh, like 15 plus 20 years or so, right? And um and, and pornography has been around for a long time. Shopping online has been around for a long time. But it seems like there is more and more, for one, awareness that there are problems with too much gaming or, or, or with, with pornography use. And so um, it's, for one, becoming more of a talking point that, yes, this is a legitimate issue that we need to discuss. Um, in 2022, the International Classification of Disease, the ICD-11, will be coming out. And it's the manual that the World Health Organization puts out. And gaming disorder will be a full diagnosable disorder come 2022, January 2022. So wow. because of that, there's a lot more discussion, a lot more understanding that, oh, this is something that's that's a legitimate problem, not just, oh, you know, little Jimmy is, is gaming too much. No, it's a problem. Well, he'll, he'll stop when he grows out of it. Like it is becoming more and more of a legitimized issue. Um, and so. I think that's where um, it's, it's becoming more, I guess, mainstream to, to, to know that, yes, gaming is fun and there's legitimacy to like um, the hobby of it, also the profession of it, but also the problem or addictive part of it as well. Yes, absolutely. I think that technology, at least how technology has been designed thus far, is that when when it continues to advance, it is pulling us in and really becoming much more enticing the more advanced it becomes and oh, so yeah. and so i think that and i mean i think that's why it's good that we're having these kind of conversations is because my my hope at least is that eventually tech will be designed in such a way that it can benefit the person as opposed right. to you know this attention economy where everyone's just trying to soak in all the attention from society as much as possible but I think that is probably, a, you know, to go off of your point, why it's has grown into an even larger issue than it already was is because this tech, no matter what form it's taking, is being designed to hook us and to keep us on this tech as long as possible. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. I, I mean, I was just watching Netflix with my wife last night, and I think recently they've, they've done this in the past, but it's very aggressive how they like you don't even you don't even push play anymore. You just like like hover over the 
um, the the video and, and it just like starts to play. It, it's it's just like very aggressive and how like look you, you want to watch this right? Okay, so watch it, watch it. Right. Okay, the yeah. Movie's done. And then like not very long after that is an automatic play. And so it's just it seems that you're right. There's a, a lot of um, there's very intentional pieces to these tech companies to try to keep us staying online more and more. I feel like whenever I'm watching Netflix or Amazon Prime, if I'm watching a show and then the show ends, I need to race to get to the remote so yeah. that it doesn't start the next episode. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like, come on, this, <laughs> let me be the one in charge of how much we watch, not just the screen, you know. It's just like, you know, Pandora's like, are you still listening? You know, it's nice that they're just like, hey, are you still there? Like Netflix is like, no. And, you know, Amazon Prime is like, no, we know you're there. We're just going like, to let this play. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Uh, I want to dive into a little bit. I, you, you work with a variety of different groups of people in this space. We were just talking about working with young men and, and young male teens. But I know you also work with some families as well as couples. And I'm wondering if you could talk to us about what do you find are the major issues within each group when it comes to tech? It's a good question. Um, so the main issues, it depends on the population. I, I, a lot of my clients are individual clients with teenagers and, um, and the parents are coming to me saying, I see it being a big problem. Um, their grades are dropping. They don't really care about doing much besides gaming. Um, they won't listen to me. There's a lot of disrespect. Um, I can't get them to do anything. When I do take them off of the game, there's a lot of frustrations and anger. Um, and so I think with the individual side of things, I think um, the big piece, what I've been seeing is the parents are struggling with how to parents um, with healthy technology use. And so a part of it is helping the child understand, helping the kiddo understand um, maybe some of these behaviors are fun and they're helping you in some ways, but maybe they're not helping you overall in life. Your overall well-being is not where maybe it could be. Um, and so part of me is helping the child understand what they can do to have a maybe a healthier life. Um, and also the parent understand what they can do to help that life happen and what they need to do, putting boundaries up, having conversations, having relationships, um, just like having a relationship with their child where they the kid doesn't have to feel that they have to go to something to escape um, problems and, and things like that. So um, the, uh, that's that's one thing um, with families, with, with my family counseling piece, I kind of bring in what, what I just said of, of having the, the family all come on the same page of, look, maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe it's not you know gaming all day on a Saturday for a kid or maybe it's not having no technology at all with the parents want, but somewhere in the middle, somewhere there where they're able to have some kind of middle ground where the kid's able to have some time online, develop friendships and enjoy that hobby. But they're also able to have a healthy boundary where they're engaging and enjoying life outside of technology. Um, with So that's the kind of with the kid's side. With adults, with young adults, with college, it's kind of another realm where it seems like college students I've seen can struggle with feeling overwhelmed. There's a big transition going into college and even outside of college, just whatever that looks like out after high school, um, it can be a big transition. And so it's easy to go to technology, not just with, with gaming, but with pornography or social media or shopping or, or, or anything within the online space to try to get away from this overwhelming feeling of I've got to get my crap together. I've got to get my, my life together. And then this activity I can do online, I can control completely usually 
Um, it's fun and it's engaging. And I don't have to worry about what I'm doing with my life. Um, and so there's a lot of piece that I'm working with kind of, I try to work with the young adults and, and adults on that, on that side with, with men, um, with older men, I've, I've seen like with anywhere between like twenties and up, um, I've seen that pornography is a, is a pretty big issue. And so if they're married or in a, and if they're, even if they're not married, I've seen relationships where they're trying to stop pornography use, um, to improve the relationship with their spouse, um, with their, with their, um, with their in their relationship and so um it's it's something that they really are trying to they're 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 coming to me saying like look this this is a big issue it's causing me for one erectile dysfunction is kind of a a new thing based on pornography use um porn induced erectile dysfunction but i've seen i've had a client i've I've had a client tell me like yeah i looked this up and this kind of is exactly what i've been going through and i've been struggling with there's um, some research by uh, Gary Wilson, I believe it's Dr. Gary Wilson. He wrote a book called Your Brain on Porn, and there is a lot of information on there about interviewing men on uh, within different forums. And they said that when they stopped using porn, they they're healthy outside of, of porn use, and without even having any med- medication, their erectile dysfunction dissipated. Again, it was after some time, but that was a big issue with a lot of men's performance not just with being able to have an erection but 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 um longevity being able to last a long time and and, and ejaculation and all these things um based on high porn use when they took that away the brain was able to reset and, and experience um a really good sexual experience outside of this artificial stimulation wow yeah yeah that's crazy like, well, and it, yeah. and it like so, goes to show how much tech is impacting our lives on a wide variety of levels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, so true. It's something that is, uh, I mean, looking at something like social media can have a different effect than pornography or, or gaming. And it's, but it's very interesting. I mean, gambling disorder was, was a fully diagnosable um, disorder in 2013. Um, and gambling, online gambling is something that one can do, you know, often, but now it's, um, it's coming into different areas. So I'm wondering if we could dive into uh, a little bit more about the influence that technology has on couples. I think that there's obviously a, a lot of people working in this space on how, how to improve tech habits with with families and kids, and for good reason too. I think that kids growing up with technology, it's really altering their brains. It's changing the way that that you know we're developing as a society. And so I think there's obviously a high need to help out kids, to help out parents and families with this growing advancement of technology. But But, but with that said, I think a lot of times there's not enough conversation going on about the influence of, or rather the excessive tech use and that the influence of that with couples. And so I'm wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more. Uh, how, how much of an impact is technology having on the way that couples uh, interact with one another, the way that they, they live together, uh, just really the overall feel of their relationship? Yeah, um, it can have 
so I mean, depending on um, like what the like how old the couple is, but like for millennials who've grown up with technology, it's very easy for technology to get in the way of their relationship. Um, it's it's very common to to use technology to interact with others, like with friends who are not there, so to to text or to use social media. But it be, it can also transition into a real life relationship that we see on an everyday basis. So with your spouse, uh, with, with your, the person you're dating, um, if you're interacting solely online, um, and then you see them later on in the evening, um, it, it, it could be, it could just um, not give you the real intimacy or emotional intimacy that a relationship can call for, for it to be healthy. And, not, and um, like whenever, you know, at the end of the day, instead of interacting face to face, it can be hard for a couple to engage face-to-face if there's some level of frustration, if there's some resentment, if there's some something going on between them, it can be a lot easier just to jump on the, a device um, and, and try to, to disengage because it's a lot easier to do that. It's a lot more distraction capability built into these technology these days rather than, you know, you know not, that's not being there at all. So um, just in general, if, if we're not careful, technology can get in the way of, of healthy relationships. Going on a date, for example, going out either to dinner or going out and doing something. If we're glued to our device, it's keeping us from a real life interactive, engaging experience with our with our spouse. And so um, it's it's really important to have healthy boundaries if it's not already there, you're clear with with your spouse. Look, when we when we go on a date, I don't want us. It's good to have a healthy conversation. Look, I want to have this time to build our relationship and to, I want to get closer with you. So let's not have a device distract from that. Um, and so um, it's it's something where technology can be helpful and, and can improve the relationship of planning and, and scheduling things. But when it comes down to the relationship itself, it's, it's good to make sure that we're putting the devices away to engage with our spouse um, face-to-face with with, with um, discussions and conversations and also with activities whenever we're going out for like a hike let's say it, it can be easy if we're bored right to pull up our phone and see what's going on on facebook or instagram but let's engage and just be okay with the silence and 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 just talk with our spouse or, or if not talk just just be with them and just hang out with them um so i think um they, it can be you know a good thing but also a problematic thing Good, uh, negative thing. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. I think that a lot of times in these interactions, taking out our phones to, like you said, check Facebook or Instagram, even when we're in the midst of doing some sort of activity, it seems like such a small thing. But once you develop the habit of doing that regularly, those small incremental moments really add up to a lot. And I think that most of us in society, at least through my observations, is that we we don't really realize the negative impact that that could have. And so I'm wondering in the clients that you work with, do you ever run into clients who are like, they, they kind of roll your roll their eyes at what you're saying and they're like, uh, it's not as big of a deal as you're making it out to be. Um, it, it can be. I know for the kids that I see, you know, that's the one of the biggest rips is the kids coming in. They're like, you know what? I don't have a problem with gaming. I'm fine. Um, and the parents are like, no, this is a big deal. Or even college students. I've got some college students who, who are really resistant to coming to counseling because, look, I don't have an issue. Um, 
And so that that's a big rift that I see that um, they see that it's kind of BS. It's not a real thing. Um, but a lot of the parents see that as being an issue. Now, as far as like the problematic uh, use for just screens in general, devices in general, there is, I think, can be some resistance to screen addiction. There's there's a, a you know, resistance to that word. Addiction can be very, um, uh, it can be, you know, kind of a, a buzzword, right? Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm not addicted. I'm not, this isn't a problem. Um, but I think the more that if we're able to really take a step back and see that, yes, maybe some of this use, maybe not is, is, addic is addicting, but it's problematic. It's really kind of a, a negative experience where we're, our relationships are are not being what they should be, what, what they can be, because technology can get in the way of it. It can help, but it can also get in the way of, of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that only now as a society, we're beginning to wake up to the fact that, oh, okay, maybe I should really think about the way that technology is influencing my behavior, influencing my relationships. And so you see a lot of people working now in this new space, the digital wellness space or, or mindful tech use or digital well-being. Yeah. And for those of us working in this space, like, you know, for those of us in the digital wellness collective, which has been a great opportunity to connect with like-minded individuals working in this space, we really have a, a, a sense of what digital wellness means and what we want to do with the world, even though we're, we're still, you know, learning and still developing and still trying to figure things out as we go along. But I think a lot of people out there, they're like digital wellness, like what, what is digital wellness? And so I'm wondering from your perspective, what does digital wellness mean to you? Um, so digital wellness, I think, is something I've honestly kind of learned more from being a part of the collective. Um, it's just an, an awareness of your tech use, I think, and helping tech work for you, not you work for tech or not you be controlled, you know, not being controlled by tech. Um, when I, I, I read Amy Blankson's book um, that is talking about technology and, and a lot of healthy tech use, a future of happiness is talking about just healthy tech use. Um, it really was an eye opener and good perspective on how technology, the companies are trying to keep us more and more online, but how it can be a really healthy existence. You can really have a great relationship with technology and it can really add to your life, help you be more efficient, more, uh, learn, learn a lot more and be just a healthier person. Um, and so digital wellness for me is, is, is something where it's, um, something that adds value to your life. Um, and it's just helping you have a healthier existence. I love that because I think that our relationship with technology, it's such a prevalent part of our lives now. And I think that with adopting digital wellness into our lives, it's, it's just like, you know, going to the gym or, or eating healthily, it's really being mindful about the content that we're consuming and also what we're putting out there in the world and also how much of an influence it's having within our reality. Cause I think, and maybe, maybe you could talk on this as well. I think right. that sometimes many of us see our reality as what's online, what's uh, you know, on our Instagram feed or our Facebook feed. And that's what we identify with as our lives. 
And I think that could actually be very jarring and could be a major issue. Is that something that you encounter at all in, in your work? So personally, in my work with my clients, I haven't seen too much of that. I've, I've had a client who I worked with for a brief period of time of um, social media what was kind of an issue for them. Um, however, I, I do see what you're talking about when it comes to um, just how the online space is very different and what we're portraying on the online space is very different than in real life. And I think that can cause a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. Um, I've seen it just kind of in, in reflecting in, in my own social media use and kind of with, with seeing the, the we're talking with my colleagues and different people in the community. Um, what we put online is perfect. Yes. The online space, you know, honestly, right? Websites and, and content can be and are, and are created to be and expected to be picture perfect, right? And so whenever we are saturated with a world that is visually and aesthetically perfect, whenever we step out of that space and into the real world, I mean, it's messed up. It's it's just, it's not reality. Um uh, I mean, and so, you know, the, a, per, a good example is, is, a, is a fantasy book, but Ready Player One is a, is a great book, I think, and in a, in a good movie about this dystopian world, right? Whenever this, you know, the world is basically, you know, horrible, the real world's horrible, but the online world, um, the, the virtual reality world is the utopia, is, is what a lot of people are living in. And it's not to that space right now. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, 2020, you know, where when we talk right now is the same, you know, stuff as in um, Ready Player One. But I think it's a good um, analogy that if we are saturating ourselves online, completely online, it's not a very real, um, we're, we're, we're kidding ourselves and we're selling ourselves short to what to expect to expect in the real world. Um, I think a lot of anxiety can come up. I think a lot of Frustration and anger can happen whenever things aren't perfect, whenever we are trying to find a way to our friend's house or to this new job interview and Google Maps has no idea where the hell it's going. And we know and it's like we can't we things are not lining up exactly how it's supposed to. Um, we can get frustrated. We don't know how to respond to that because we are trained and conditioned to think exactly to a T that we've seen online, if that makes sense. And so I think it can cause just a lot of anxiety and, and some frustrations if we're completely saturating ourselves in the online space. Yes. I, th I think this is a very prevalent issue. And I think that it's tempting. It's very tempting to really live all of our lives within the online space because there's a lot of exciting things going on online and there's a oh, lot yeah. of engaging oh, yeah. and entertaining content. And so in a lot of ways, it's sort of this seducing power over us. And I think uh, I, my hope is that <laughs> over time it becomes less seducing, but I don't know with how, how uh, technology is going. It's, it's almost feels like it's going to become a whole other world than e even more so than it already is. Um, I agree. I agree, Pat. I mean, um, so I've, uh, I, I've read another book that's not, I mentioned a couple of books, but like one of the other books I really enjoy is uh, by Mark Manson, uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Oh, that's a, um, that's a great book. <laughs> great, fantastic book. He wrote another one called Everything is F, a book about hope. <laughs> and um, 
it's, it's a new book and basically it's a it's a really it's a really good book I, I highly encourage reading it but he talks about in there um, you know kind of what the future can hold what, what the future potentially is lined up to look like and he talks about uh, I don't want to I don't want to give it away but but technology is a big piece in it and it's interesting if things continue on the path of where they're going and how fast they're going with what with um, self-driving cars and with uh, AI and with um, uh, just kind of the online space and just the, the development of technology, what that's going to lead to. And so um, obviously there's a lot of benefit with the online space. It's, it's, it's great. But uh, it is interesting to think about what that future looks like in 10, 15, 20 years or so or less. Yeah, we'll see. Well, it'll be people like you that help change the course. <laughs> so I, I my, my... <laughs> Yeah, like I hope that there, there's some light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah, for sure. so I think that at least a lot of what I try to do in my work, obviously this podcast being about the importance of creating deep and meaningful relationships, I think that cultivating community is something that is crucially important nowadays. It's it's always been important, but I feel like especially now, since the digital environment is so enticing. And while I think that technology is amazing for making initial connections, like we wouldn't have met each other if it weren't for uh, you know being online. While I think it's great for that, I, I don't know if it's the healthiest for for going much deeper than that. I think that eventually it comes to a point where those connections have to be in person. So I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, you know, with you and your work, how important would you say is cultivating community and how is technology and social media threatening that? Um, I think community is huge. A lot of the work I do is try to help individuals, um, because with the online space, it's a very isolating experience. When we go online to do anything, it's just you and the device, usually, right? Unless you're at like a LAN party where you and some friends are gaming um, and you're, you're next to each other, um, usually you're, you're just you and the device. So I think that experience in and of itself is isolating. So I think being able to have really good, healthy relationships, trusting relationships um, in the in, like around you with your family, with, with friends, is a very is a vital piece um, to to addressing just any type of, of either problematic screen use or just just screen use and or just um, in general it, it's really healthy to have these this community around you to, to be healthy um, and so if uh, if that's not the case then it can be it can be problematic what was your your second question Pat the the, the next one I'm sorry uh, essentially how is technology and social media threatening community? So I think it's doing a little bit of both, to be honest. Like Facebook groups, I think, are doing a really cool job of bringing people together. That 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 ad of you know the um, the Basset Hound, right? Have you seen that one where like the Basset Hound is and his owners kind of go into a dog park and there are no other Basset Hounds? Oh yes, yeah, so that's right. That's right. Yeah. Seeing it, they're at a beach and they're just you know slow motion running with their big ears flopping around and stuff. That stuff is <laughs> cool, and so. Facebook groups are fantastic about can be fantastic about bringing people together. However, I think it can it can be easy for people to stay there. I think it'd be really easy for people to stay within the online space and not to meet up, not to to go out and to actually you know bring your dog to the to the dog park, whatever with the other basset hounds. It can be it can be um, 
it can be anxiety provoking. It can be, uh, you know, this buildup that, you know, I, I just want to be able to talk on friends. It's, it's safe. I don't have to worry about putting myself out there. And so I think social media and online communication can be good for starting off. But I think it for if we get used to it, we can build it up in our heads of, oh, meeting up with these people in real life will be scary. I won't look as good as I, I am online. I won't know what to say. It'll be awkward. Um, and so I think it can be really easy for people to to go the other way and to not meet up with people or to not interact with real people because they want to keep a safe distance and to not feel awkward or to to um, to, to just just be in a safe space. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think there's definitely a tendency to stay in our comfort zones, especially when it comes to technology. I think that we use our smartphones as a safety net. And that whenever oh, yeah. we feel uncomfortable or awkward, we'll take our phones out to relieve that tension that's there. And yeah, there, yep. there could be, a, I, I feel like there could definitely be a lot of dangers in that. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is with online, with, you know, social media, a lot of us, you know, even with texting, it's like, you know, you want to say just the right thing. And so you'll say it one way, but then you'll go back and delete it and write it again another way and reword it. And real life, you can't really do that. And so you have to kind of basically ad lib and just, you know, be yourself. Um, and it's hard for a lot of people to just go out and to be confident enough to be themselves in a in a new environment or or with meeting with, with you know, meeting people um, in real life. And so um, if people are getting used to solely socializing online, it can be difficult to make that transition to jump into a real life conversation or a real life uh, experience. Yeah. A lot of a lot of unknowns. You can control a lot online. You can't control a lot, you know, at a bar, at a club, or at a, at a friend's house, or meeting new people at a Christmas party, right? It's it's just, it's uh, it's 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 hard to be able to control every environment, but you can online. Yeah, and it's interesting when you put it in that perspective because that's absolutely true. And what does that mean for ourselves and our our own personal development that we are always tending to want to stay in an environment where we have complete control. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting for sure. Yeah. And something that I'm, I don't know, honestly, what the answer is to, to this, but a part of it, I think is we've gotten used to being comfortable. A lot of us have being, is gotten used to being really, really comfortable. Um, and so a part of the online space is the piece of that. Whenever we don't want to feel uncomfortable, like you're talking about an elevator or just walking around or whatever, we don't want to make eye contact. We pull out our phone to even look busy or to, 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 to distract ourselves from the feeling of being uncomfortable. So if we're able to be okay with being uncomfortable for a little bit, um, I think there can be a lot of freedom in that. There can be a lot of just reduced anxiety and just to be okay with not being okay, uh, for a little bit. And so, um, I think that's kind of a piece of it too. Yes. I couldn't agree more with you on that. What would you say have been the greatest rewards of working in the, in the line of work that you do in, in the digital wellness space? And what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges working in this space? Whew. Oh man. Good question. So I think the biggest, um, like the most beneficial has been, to just provide some education and some insight to to this space, I've I've done presentations in the community to different mental health professionals and uh, some parents, and it's been really encouraging to be able to talk to families and to people in the community about um, 
you kind of connect with, yes, this is an issue I see around me. This is an issue with my kiddo or with my clients I work with. And so it's been really rewarding to be able to validate their experiences and say, yes, I hear you. Let's talk about it. Let's work on this. And so that's been really rewarding to be able to find people that, that this is a struggle. This is legitimized. Um, you know, they see it because uh, there's there's um, with this being a new field, uh, there's some controversy with the legitimacy of it. And so it's it's been very validating and, and encouraging to see people come to me and say, yes, this is a huge issue um, for my son or for my whatever. Um, so that's been huge. The struggle, though, has been, I think, on the flip side, uh, to basically develop the space from scratch. Uh, the, the professionals in the area, from what I've been able to see, uh, you have to basically educate on what problematic screen use is, what digital wellness looks like, what you know, addictive gaming and, 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 you know, problematic, you know, in general, like time online looks like. And so that has been a huge challenge to be able to carve out a new product, if you will, um, in the space, uh, in, in the counseling space, in the health space. You see things online, right, like stories of, oh, so-and-so went to restart for gaming addiction, uh, you know, New York Times article about it. But like, be able to not stigmatize it as like this is a weird thing or a um, isolated experience. That's been really hard to be able to, um, I guess, um, help legitimize it for the professionals in the area. Some some are really good at understanding it, but it's just it's just a new field, and so it's it's hard to sometimes jump over that hurdle. Right, it's figuring out these ways to continue chipping away and making sure that this message is spread and this message is known. And it's thanks to people like you who are really working in this space in in your own unique way and are able to reach people in which these type of services, this type of awareness is really resonating with. So it's good that there's people out there like you, Jeremy. Thanks. I appreciate that. Well, it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing too. I mean, this podcast is huge. I mean, this is fantastic. It's, it's really, really strong. And uh, it sounds like the speaking engagements you're doing too. I mean, that's, that's really a huge piece of it too. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, Really appreciate you coming out on the show today, Jeremy. Uh, not not only for coming out on the show, but really just as I mentioned, I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and and helping both teenagers, families, couples, a wide variety of people in a wide variety of issues when it comes to technology and. I think it's one of those things that so long as we just keep the ball rolling, uh, it, it's really going to make a, a powerful impact in the long run. So thank you so much. Of course. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. It's fun to do it. I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners some information as to where they could find out more about you and your work. Sure. My website is escapingthe.com. Uh, so E-S-C-A-P-I-N-G-T-H-E.com. On there, there is a lot of information uh, about just what my practice looks like. Um, there, at the very, if you there are some really good resources. If you go to the resource page, I've made up some websites that I think are fantastic to help with a few different areas: video game addiction, parenting resources, and pornography issues, pornography addiction. And you don't even have to be addicted to gaming or pornography to benefit from these websites. Um, but they offer some really great tools and tips um, 
specifically for those those realms. I would really ch I would check them out. I also have a free uh, PDF file that um, pretty, um, uh, free resource for all anyone who would like to go on my website. You can go to uh, my website and then free dash resources access free dash resources resource and it has a um, I have a, uh, it says seven tips to help to treat problematic screen use. And basically, I've come up with seven different uh, tips to help with someone if they're if they're overusing technology in some way, shape, or form. That these tips can really help someone get to a healthier life. Um, this basically what I did whenever I was going from addictive use to healthy existence and to healthy screen use. And so um, I've seen that this can really be effective. And so that's a free resource online uh, on the website, but. Um, again, I can provide um, presentations to anyone who, who'd like to see more information about um, screen use, and then um, obviously counseling sessions for anyone in Texas. I can do online telehealth sessions for anyone in Texas. Awesome. Great. Well, I'll make sure to include all that information in the show notes of the podcast. So listeners out there, all you have to do is tap on the episode, scroll down, and you'll be able to see the various links that Jeremy was just discussing. So Jeremy, one more question for you. What is your definition of a deep, meaningful relationship? My definition of a deep, meaningful relationship, that would be um, a relationship that is built on trust, uh, a relationship that um, constantly grows, that you can share kind of what's going on and, and, and just have and share just kind of not just conversation wise, but share your life with someone. And so a deep, meaningful relationship can um, be a friendship. I think it can be a, a romantic relationship, uh, but it's just someone that you really feel connected with, whatever that looks like. I just think really, really feeling connected emotionally, maybe physically, spiritually. Um, that's kind of what I think for what a deep, meaningful relationship is. Awesome. That, that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> so Jeremy, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you really enjoyed this episode with Jeremy today. He has provided an incredible service for families, for couples, for individuals who are looking for ways in which they or their loved ones can develop a healthier relationship with technology and therefore develop a healthier relationship with those around them. So Jeremy, thank you so much for coming out on the show and sharing your wisdom with us all. If you liked this episode and you think it will really resonate with someone, please feel free to share it, leave a comment, subscribe, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. You also have the opportunity to call in and leave me a voicemail if you have the Anchor app. So feel free to call in if you are interested. Also, you can support this podcast. Supporting this podcast will allow me to continue producing episodes with inspiring guests and insightful messages. So if you're interested in supporting the show, just scroll down in the show notes and click the link provided. 
Also, if you're interested in having me as a speaker at your upcoming event, I would love to chat with you more about a wide variety of these topics. I enjoy speaking at conferences, at schools, or at corporate events. So head on over to patmcandrew.com contact me if you are interested. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the Ships Podcast, and stay tuned for the next one.